on the sign coming into Somerville, it says population 135. That's why I laughed so loudly when he said thriving metropolis. <laughs> Amen. I'd like us to uh, pick up and look at the last two paragraphs. Uh, the the uh, next one is very short, um, but um, just three thoughts <clears throat> in these last few verses of um, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Beginning in verse 16, the Bible says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and, his, and, the Spirit, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Let not let no man deceive himself. That's a very interesting statement. We always talk about the deception of Satan, the deception of the world, and the deception of sin, and the deception of cults and false religion. But uh, here... God inspires Paul to record self-deception. We can deceive ourselves. We need to be careful about that. One of the greatest defenses against being deceived, deceiving yourself, or even being deceived by someone else, is the truth of God's Word. It, it gives us light for discernment. It gives us truth for ident identifying falsehoods. And um, so we need to be in the Word on a regular basis. It says, Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seem to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. And the idea there is contrasting the wisdom of the world and wisdom of God. In another place, Paul records that the wisdom of God is foolishness to the world. And, uh, and so here he's picking up on that same idea when he says, let him be a fool. The idea of that is in the world's eyes and obviously being wise in God's eyes. A very different contrast there. He goes on and he says, for the wisdom of the world is foolishness with God, for it is written, he taketh the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. The idea of the term vain is empty, useless, uh, nothingness. Sort of like the wood, hay, and stubble that's burnt up is empty. There's nothing to it, no substance to it. And that's the way the wisdom of the world is compared to the wisdom of God. There is no comparison. They're the complete antithesis of one another. One has value, the other is total emptiness and will lead us astray. And then he concludes with the word therefore. Anytime you see the, those kind of connectors, therefore, wherefore, heretofore, it's, it's saying, I'm, I'm telling you something based on what I just told you. And he's talked about the division in the church. He's talked about the foundation of our faith. He's talked about building up your life on the foundation of Jesus Christ and being careful what building materials you use. And he's talked about uh, the fact that we are the temple of God. He talked about warning us not to deceive ourselves. He contrasts the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God. And then he says this concluding statement, Therefore let no man glory in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours and ye are Christ's, and Christ is God's. 
Let's pray together. Our dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for this text that you inspired the Apostle Paul to record for us and that you have preserved for us and, and brought to us in our language. Lord, help us to rightly divide your word. Help us to personally apply the truth of your word in our lives to help us to guard against deception, to guard against Satan attack on our minds, and to guard against divisiveness in your church, that we could do all things to your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of the message tonight is Knowing Truth Protects Us from Deceptive Lies. And, and you know, in a banking system, uh, the way that they help you to identify a forgery is to know the details of a real bill. And when you see something other than what a real bill is, you can identify it as a forgery. Because the reason is, is because there's a myriad of types of forgeries. But if you know what a real bill looks like, it's easy to identify a false bill. And here, God is telling us the best way to defend ourselves against lies and being deceived by those lies is to know the truth of God's Word. And and it's up to us to be in the Word. I think it's great that you're back here this evening uh, for the service tonight. But, uh, you know, there's not going to be a service tomorrow. I don't think y'all have a service tomorrow. I know you're, you're going out of town. You no service tomorrow. But, you know, you can be in the Word tomorrow. You alone with God, on your own, in your house. You can be in the Word of God and let the Holy Spirit of God speak to you through His Word to teach you His Word and to work in your heart to help you grow in truth. And every day we need to be in the Word, uh, gaining truth to help us to protect ourselves against lies. There's three thoughts I want to draw out of this to try to be a help to all of us tonight. And the first one is in verses 16 and 17. And the idea is there are things we need to know as a child of God. There's many things we need to know as a child of God. Aren't you glad God's given us His Word to help us to know them? Amen? Amen. Aren't you glad He's given us His Spirit to help us to learn them from His Word? Amen? And there are things that we need to know as a child of God. The second thought is in verse 18 through 20. And it's there are things we need to be careful about as God's children. We need to be, the Bible tells us to walk circumspectly. And the idea of that is to be aware of our surroundings and, uh, and to be attentive uh, to what's going on around us in this world. That helps us to be guarded against deception of the world and of sin and of Satan. And the third part, a uh, third thought is in verses 21 through 23. There are things we need to be sure of as God's children. You know, Brother uh, Rick and I were talking about how the cults, they, they, they don't make converts. They don't have any, they don't, they don't make people get saved. They don't have any salvation. What they're looking for is religious people who don't know what they believe. And they target those people because religious people are going to be faithful. Religious people are going to give. Religious people are going to help them in their religion. But so the key to not being deceived by a cult is to know the truth, the truth of God's word. 
And there are things we need to be sure of. We need to know what we believe, but we also need to know why we believe it. In our church, and I'm sure in your church here, uh, when somebody makes a profession of faith, uh, we, we even for children, we have a little booklet that we give to them, and it basically goes through some basic truths of Scripture, and we encourage their parent to go through it with them. Uh, teenagers, we have a different one, and adults, we have a myriad of them. Uh, we have a little small one to just get started with, and then we get a bigger one if they want to go further in that. But the whole idea is, and my, actually my Wednesday night series right now is all about discipling young Christians. And, and the whole idea is to help them to grow in their faith so they know what they believe and they know why they believe it and they have scripture to back it up to help, help them with truth, to help them grow spiritually and to, be, and to have a defense against Satan. So let's dig into these three thoughts. And the first one, there are things we need to know as a child of God. In verse 16, Paul starts off and he says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God. Of God. God wants us to know that we are His temple. When you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you have done that, and I hope you have, if you haven't, tonight would be a great day. Today would be a great birthday spiritually. Amen? Amen. But if I'm assuming most everybody here, if not everybody here, has made a profession of faith and they are born again, they have an address in heaven. Uh, they have Jesus Christ as their Savior. They, got, they have God as their Heavenly Father. And, and Paul is writing to believers just like you. And he says, you need to know that God lives in you. You are the temple of God. Wherever you go, you take God with you. And you need to make sure you go to places God wants to go. <laughs> Amen. And you need to honor God in the way you use your body because your body is the temple of God. He goes on and he says, the Spirit of God dwells in you. That's why you're the temple of God because God put His Spirit in you. When you trusted Christ, not only did your sins get forgiven, but the holiness of God came in you through His Spirit to reside in you. Your soul is as holy as it'll ever be. Your soul is as saved as it'll ever be. Your soul is completely redeemed and indwelt by the Spirit of God. But this flesh out here, that's got a lot of work to do, right? One day it's going to be redeemed. One day it's going to be glorified. One day it's going to be holy, right? But our flesh has to catch up with our spirit, our soul, because the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. That's as holy as we're going to be inside. But we can make a lot of progress on holiness on the outside, amen? And that's what spiritual growth is all about. And then he gives a warning. If any man devile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. You know, we as Christians, I think too much, too often, we let the world dictate our decisions way too much. As a child of God, we ought to let God dictate our decisions. And one of the decisions is what we do with our body. God really needs to have the say-so in that. He needs to determine what we do with our body, how we use our body, what we put into our body. Those are decisions God needs to decide for us because our body is His temple. And He takes that very seriously. And can we all agree, when God takes something seriously, we ought to take it seriously too, right? So God takes His temple very seriously. If you don't, if you don't believe that, do a study of the Old Testament 
all the details that God told Moses how he wanted the tabernacle to look like. And then all the details he gave to Solomon and David about how he wanted the temple to look like. My friend, God cares about his temple. And if he cares that much about a physical structure that uh, that was used in the Old Testament, I'm kind of thinking he takes it a little more seriously even with our physical body that he indwells. Amen? So we need to take that seriously because he takes it seriously. And when we use our body for something that is not godly and not holy, God says there's going to be some consequence to that. Not only are we going to suffer for it for what we do, but we're going to miss out on the blessings of God. We're going to experience oftentimes some chastening from God, some judgment here on this earth. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. See, we need to know that we belong to Jesus Christ. We need to know that we have that foundation of Jesus Christ that we talked about this morning. You know, a lot of people doubt their salvation because they're not confident. They don't, they're not sure. You know, God doesn't want you to doubt your salvation, but Satan does. Satan wants you to just wallow in doubt and, and despair and all. He doesn't want you to enjoy being a child of God. God wants you to know for sure that you're a child of God. You say, Pastor Frank, how do you know that? Well, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you, that ye may know that you have, been, you have eternal life. He wants you to know you have Jesus as your Savior. He wants you to have confidence in your relationship with Him as your Heavenly Father. He wants you to know that. He wants us to know that we're a child of God. He wants us to know because we're a child of God, we're the temple of God. The Spirit of God lives inside of us. We are the dwelling place for the Holy Spirit of God. You notice that word, Holy Spirit? He dwells in the believer. And that holiness inside of us needs to show up on the outside of us. Amen? And we need to live to the glory of God. See, the presence of the holiness of God lives in the believer in the person of the Holy Spirit of God. The guaranteed litmus test of of a person's salvation is not a religious experience. Because every religion has a religious experience, right? Every religion has some kind of thing they talk about that's a religious experience. My friend, salvation is not just a religious experience. My my friend, salvation is a redemptive change, a radical change from lost to saved, from darkness to light, from a child of the Satan to a child of God. My friend, salvation is far more than any religious experience. It's an eternal change in your life. And God wants us to know that His Spirit lives within us. When somebody comes to me saying they doubt their salvation, I ask them, tell me about how you got saved. One of the things I'm listening for is, well, somebody took the Bible and went through the plan of salvation. That's a really good thing. Because the Bible says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The other thing I ask about is, what happened after they made that decision? Was there some change in their life? Because the Bible says that therefore if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, old things are passed away, behold, all things have become new. There ought to be some change take place in a person's life after they're saved. Another thing I ask them is, did, did, un, did reading the Bible or hearing the preaching of the Bible start to make more sense? Because the Bible describes the Holy Spirit living within us to help us to understand the Scripture. 
And that's a very good evidence of the Holy Spirit. Another thing I ask them is, the things you used to do before you were saved and you didn't worry about it and it really didn't bother you a whole lot, did those things kind of bother you after you got saved? Why am I asking that? Because the Bible says the Spirit of God is in us to convict us of those sins. And we should not feel comfortable doing the things we used to do before we were saved. You say, Pastor, why do you ask all those questions? Because I cannot see in their heart. All I can do is listen to their words coming out of their heart. But I'm looking for evidence of the Spirit of God. Because if the Spirit of God is, they're born again. But if there's no evidence of the Spirit of God there, they need to get saved. Amen? See, the Spirit of God dwells in the believer. We need to know that God's Spirit is in us. We need to sense Him working in us. The power of the Almighty lives in the child of God. Amen? And we need to experience that power working in our lives. We need, we need to understand that the Spirit of God in us is the comforter. God describes the Holy Spirit as the comforter. He tells us in, in John chapter 15, He would not leave it, or 14, He would not leave us comfortless. He will send another comforter. And He's talking about the Holy Spirit. And He even says, When the comforter is come, He will guide you in all truth. And in the word comforter there in John 14, it's a capital letter. Why is it a capital letter? It's because it's a proper name. It's talking about the name of deity. The Holy Spirit of God is described as the comforter. I don't know about you, but that really helps me because I I have some hard days. Anybody here ever have any hard days? And I need comforted. And I'm so glad I can turn to the Holy Spirit and experience His ministry of comfort. When somebody asks me to come and pray with them, they're going through a hard time. That's one of the things I pray for. I pray for the ministry of the Holy Spirit of God to comfort them. He's the comforter. And I pray for that ministry. My friend, we need to know we have the Holy Spirit. We need to know that we have Jesus as our Savior. These are things God wants us to know. And we also need to know that we need to honor the temple of God. We need to take care of this. We don't need to abuse it. We don't need to mess it up. We need to take care of God's temple. We need to honor God with the bodies He's given to us. That's why we should not use them for sin. We looked at it this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. The Bible tells us flee fornication. Why? Because your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. You don't join God's temple with, with sin. Amen? We need to be careful how we use our body. We need to realize this is the temple of God. And He takes that seriously. And we need to take that seriously. And we need to take care of our temple. Now, now there's some people that take health to a religion. I mean, <laughs> they worship their health. I'm not saying we need to do that. I'm just saying we need to take care of ourselves because our body is the temple of God. And we need to use it to His glory. We need to honor Him with it. I want you to see the second thought there. There are things we need to be careful about as God's children. In verse 18 it says, Let no man deceive himself. We need to be careful about self-deception. You know, there's a lot said about self-deception in the Bible. There's a lot said about our thinking in the Bible. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians to bring our, in chapter 10, bring our thoughts into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Somebody says, I can't control my thinking. Well, wait a minute. Either God's right or you're right. Can't be both. You say you can't control your thinking. God says control your thinking. Do you think God would tell you to do something that you can't do? Of course not. 
The problem is we don't work at it very hard. We need to control our thoughts. We need to make sure our thoughts are honoring God. I don't know about you, but sometimes I can be just kind of minding my own business and all of a sudden a random thought comes into mind. It's not holy. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a good thing. So what do I do? I need to control my thoughts and I need to direct my thoughts to the Lord and I need to start talking to God and I need to start thinking about Scripture and I need to start uh, quoting Scripture that I've memorized. What am I trying to do? I'm trying to direct my thoughts onto something holy and off of what's unholy. I'm trying to control my thoughts. Deception is very similar. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it tells us not to be deceived about uh, going to heaven in our sin. The Bible tells us in that, cha- in that verse that sin doesn't enter into heaven. That's why we've got to be forgiven. That's why we've got to be saved. We, we cannot take our sin into heaven because nothing can enter heaven that would defile it. The Bible says that. And sin definitely would defile it, correct? In, in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, we're told not to be deceived about the influence of ungodly people. Now, we need to have friends that aren't saved. Why? We need to be a witness to them, right? But we need to be very careful about their influence on us. The Bible says evil communication corrupts good manners. Don't be deceived thinking that you can hang around with people that cuss and do all kinds of stuff and it not have an influence on you. You've got to be careful about that, right? You say, Pastor, I work with them. Well, be a witness to them, amen? In Galatians chapter 6, it tells us we need to be careful about our pride thinking more of us than we ought to. It says, for if a man think of himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Pride is very deceptive. We need to be careful about our pride. In Titus chapter 3 and verse 3, it tells us to be careful about the deception of the lust of the flesh. It says, for we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedience, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy and hate, hateful and hating one another. It says we were deceived when we were lost. But guess what? Even as a child of God, if we're not careful, we can be deceived also. It talks about the deceitfulness of sin in the Bible. Sin can be deceiving. We think we're fine. But we're living in sin. We're lying to ourselves. We're deceiving ourselves. We need to make sure we're honoring the Lord. The Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 6, or Ephesians chapter 5, let no man deceive you with vain words. And and again, it's talking about sin. People say, you know, I'm living in grace. I can do whatever I want. No, that's that's an abuse of grace. That's not great. Grace is about God's unmerited favor to save me so I can live to His glory. Grace is not a license to sin, but that's how sin deceives us, making it think, oh, I can be fine with God and still live in sin. No, you cannot. No, you cannot. See, the Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 6, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall I also reap. The Bible tells us to put off the former man in Ephesians chapter 4, which is corrupt in deceitful lust. The lust of our flesh can be very deceptive. We have cravings, we have desires that need to be under the control of the Holy Spirit. Because if we don't let the Holy Spirit control those things, they can deceive us right into sin, and then the bondage of sin takes root. 
My friend, you are capable of any sin any person can commit, even as a saved person. You're capable. And the fast track to get there is let yourself be deceived. We need to be careful about being deceived, deceiving ourselves. I mean, it's, we got to put our guard up against by being, being deceived by others, but we got to put a guard up de- being deceived by ourselves, by our own flesh, by our own desires. The deceitfulness of lust. We also need to be careful about the wisdom of this world. As I mentioned before, when we, when we are saturating our mind with the Word of God, it helps us to filter out the deceptions of the world. See, one of the reasons why you hear lost people and they're talking, you see this a lot on the news <laughs> with certain politicians, and they're talking a whole lot, and you're thinking, that's absolutely ridiculous. And they're thinking, that's the smartest thing in the world. And you're like, how in the world can they think that's a good idea? And you're thinking that the Bible's clearly saying something complete opposite, right? What is the difference there? The wisdom of God and the wisdom of the world. To the world, their wisdom makes sense. To a believer who has the wisdom of God in their thinking, that makes completely no sense. It's the most ridiculous idea in the world. What's the difference? The wisdom you're looking at it from. See, we need to let the wisdom of God help protect us against the wisdom of this world. See, the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. His wisdom is the complete opposite of the wisdom of this world. The wisdom of this world is, hey, party hardy, spend it all, just have a good time, tomorrow we die. The wisdom of God says, you need to get ready for eternity. (laughs) Amen? Total opposite, right? See, we need to let the wisdom of God saturate our minds to protect us against the, the wisdom of this world, which is foolishness to God. The wisdom of God is greater than the wisdom of the world. The wisdom of God says that the world's wisdom is vain, it's empty, it's useless. We need to be careful about that. We also Another thing we need to be careful about is having God's wisdom. The Bible says, The Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. You know, we need to make sure that we are looking at things through God's wisdom. The only way to know that is to be in this Word, in this book. To memorize it, to meditate on it, to read it, to let it saturate your thinking. To where when you hear something that is not according to this, you say, alert, 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 bad idea, foolishness, vain, empty, don't believe it, it's a lie. Who's the God of this world? Satan. What what does Jesus say Satan is the father of? Lies. So when you hear the wisdom of the world, what is it? Lies. (laughs) And this truth will help us to identify those lies. The last thought I want you to see here is there are things that we need to be sure of as a child of God. It says, therefore let no man glory in men. We should never glory in any man. Guess what I am? A man. Guess what you are? A human being. 
This word man here is not talking about male gender. It's talking about humanity. We don't need to glory in man. That's what the problem with the church at Corinth. That's why they're so divisive. I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos. I'm of Cephas. Blah, 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 blah. blah. Who cares? Man doesn't matter. Man is temporal. I tell people, if you keep your eyes on humans, they will disappoint you. Because at best, every human is human. (laughs) They will disappoint you. Anybody here ever disappoint themselves? Of course. Why? We're human. We even disappoint ourselves. But when we get our eyes off of the Lord and onto any person, we just messed up. When we think that when we think church is about people more than it's about God, we are way off track. Way off track. And that's exactly what was going on in Corinth. Somebody says, "How in the world could Corinth believe that it was okay for this fella to have his father's wife and the church be okay with that?" Well, it started with I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Cephas, I'm of this, I'm of that. They got their eyes off the Lord. They got their eyes on man. And they just led themselves astray in deception. We need to be careful about that. We don't need to glory in man. We need to glory in the Lord. We need to glory in God. We need to glory in the fact that the Spirit of God lives within us. We need to glory in the fact that our name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. We need to glory in the fact that we're a child of God headed to heaven. We don't need to glory in ourselves. We need to glory in the Lord. He deserves all glory. Amen. Amen. Glory in the church be unto Him and Him alone. Amen. It grieves my heart when I hear about some church and and uh, the deacons are at odds with the pastor or the trustees are at odds with the pastor and they're arguing and this and that and, or somebody who's been a charter member and you guys don't have that problem around here because he's the original pastor. But I've heard of churches where uh, you know the, the charter member thinks they're more important than the pastor and all this stuff. It's such a mess. And they get their eyes off of the Lord who's supposed to be the head of the church and the foundation of the church and what the church is all about. And then they start making it about people and people, they matter to God, but God matters above everything, right? We don't need to glory in man, we need to glory in the Lord. And we also need to understand that all things that really matter are ours in Christ. Heaven is ours in Christ. The power of God is ours in Christ. Being able to lead somebody to Christ is ours in Christ. Being able to see a church grow is ours in Christ. The promises of God are yea in Christ. That's it. If you have Christ, you have all the promises of God to you. What a wonderful blessing that is. But without Christ, you have none of it. <laughs> all are yours in Christ. That's the key. That's the key to everything. Christ. That's why we should glory in Him and nothing else. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter who Paul is or Paulus or Cephas. None of that matters. What really matters is who Christ is and who He is to us as our Savior. Christ is not divided. Think about that. We're the temple of God. God's not divided. 
The church is the body of Christ. Christ isn't divided. So when you have division in the church, what's the root of that? People not focusing on Christ. He's not divided. We get divided when we get into sin, when we get into pride. See, the reason why Christ is the key to it all, nobody, no no church, no denomination, no pastor, no great evangelist left heaven and came to earth and died on the cross for you. Only Jesus did that. He's really all that matters. We need to keep our focus on Him. And it doesn't matter what our situation is. In this text, it says it doesn't matter life or death or whatever. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter about the world or things present or things to come. All are yours in Christ. That's all that matters, being in Christ. That's really all that matters. Romans 8, Paul writes it this way. The same idea, he writes it this way in Romans 8 and verse 38. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And here Paul says, it doesn't matter about the world. It doesn't matter about life. It doesn't matter about death. It doesn't matter about things to come or things present. It really matters about Jesus. That's really all that matters. When you got Jesus, everything else is taken care of. Aren't you thankful for that? Amen. And the last thought I want you to think about is this. All that truly matters most in life and eternity is wrapped up in Jesus. Who we are in Him. These these statements here about God is to me. He is my all. He is my constant. He is my rock. The rock of our salvation. You look in the book of Ephesians, I just finished up a whole series in Ephesians about our identity in Jesus Christ. We're forgiven. We have the access to the throne of God in prayer. We're a child of God. We're adopted into the family of God. All of the things that we are, the Bible talks about, is clearly focused on Jesus. All that really matters is wrapped up in Jesus that I belong to Him, and He belongs to me. I know Pastor Rick has been spending a lot of time in the Sermon on the Mount, and I'd like you to go to Matthew 7 before we close. And I want to just show you a thought. Matthew chapter 7, the Sermon on the Mount that y'all have been in. Matthew chapter 7. I want you to look at verse 21. Jesus is speaking in the Sermon on the Mount to His followers, and He says, Not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many shall say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, we have, have we not prophesied in Thy name, and in Thy name cast out devils, and in Thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Now that's a very sobering reality. The fact that we have Christ and we belong to Him. The fact that our name is written in the book of life. 
in the blood of Jesus. That's all that really matters. Those are the things that matter most. We, our faith is not wrapped up in what we do for the Lord. Our faith is wrapped up in who we are trusting in to be the Lord. See, if I have the Lord in my life, I will serve Him. But serving Him will not take me to heaven. I need to be careful about that. You know, in this passage, the passage, the statements before this talk about the, root, the fruit of a tree. You know what produces the fruit of the tree? The roots of the tree. Just like the foundation of a house. You don't see it. But it's the most important part of getting the fruit. And then right after this, what I just read, you know what it talks about? It talks about the foundation of your life. It talks about the foolish man building his life on sand. It talks about the wise man building his life on a solid rock. My friend, we need to make sure we've got that foundation. We need to know we belong to Christ and He belongs to us. We need to know that we're His temple and we need to honor Him with our bodies. We need to know what He wants us to do while we're here and get it done. We need to build our lives with gold, silver, and precious stone, not wood, hay, and stubble. But it all starts on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we... We are needy people. And Lord, we are feeble at best. Lord, we just ask that you would uh, speak to our hearts and you would challenge us tonight. And what are we in Christ? Is Christ our everything or are we everything? Hopefully. God is my tower, my strong tower, my hiding place, my refuge, my constant, my joy, my love. With every head bowed and every eye closed, just let me ask you very quickly as...